Lord, we proclaim that you are faithful. God, that your love is steady, your love is strong. And Father, we just want to encounter you this morning. We know that when we meet you, when we experience you, we can't stay the same, Lord. We are transformed into your image. So we pray for a genuine encounter today through your word, God. And once again, our voices cry, you are worthy. You're worthy of it all. Help us to focus on you this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. A Christian man had lived a very faithful life, and he was about to go to heaven. And he knew time was close and time was near, so he's having a real heart-to-heart -heart with the Lord. And he said, you know, Lord, I know that you've got a policy that you can't take anything with you when you go. And he said, I, I just, I'm requesting an exception to that. And the Lord said, well, what you got on your mind? And he said, well, he said, you know, two bags fly free, right? So uh, maybe I can bring two suitcases with me when I come. I've been faithful to you. I've been serving you all my life, and I'm looking forward to living with you for all of eternity. Can you just make this one exception? And, and the Lord said, yeah, I, I can make the exception for you. So just go ahead, and when you come, bring two suitcases with you. So the time comes for this faithful gentleman to pass away, and he uh, grabs his two suitcases, and off he goes. And he's there at the pearly gates, and the angel's there taking care of business. And the angel says, now, fella, you can't take anything in here with you. you, you you're born with nothing, and you can't take it with you here. you got to leave, leave whatever's in those suitcases outside. And the guy said, no, you need to call headquarters and, and find out. The Lord has made an exception for me, and I can bring these two uh, suitcases in with me. And, and so the angel says, hey, call up ahead and see if this guy's legit here. And so he does, and the angel says, yep, he can take him in. And he said, by the way, fella, can I look in them suitcases? And the guy said, sure. And so the angel goes and opens the suitcases and looks at him and said, so you brought pavement? Gold bars? You brought pavement? That's... It's, you get it? All right. So you brought pavement. So in heaven, let me explain something to you. In heaven, Revelation tells us that the streets are laid with pure gold. It is so pure, it's transparent. Now that's pretty cool. So this gentleman has got all these gold bars that he's going to take with him. And in heaven, it's just asphalt. Get it? I, when I heard that, I thought it was really funny. All right. Now, the interesting thing about this story, there are a few applications you can make from that. Number one, you ever had any kind of road that didn't tear up? I mean, asphalt tears up. Seal coat tears up. Concrete tears up. I mean, there's, there's, if you drive around here, there's holes everywhere, right? They're always working on the interstate highway. So, but in heaven, the pavement lasts forever, and there's no maintenance crews. And so when you're driving along the interstate in heaven, you never have to stop for road work. That's pretty cool, because it's made out of gold, and everything's perfect, in heaven. I really thought that would go a lot better than it did, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> it must be in the timing or the delivery that was because it was a great story. All right. 
So what Jesus had to say about heaven. What Jesus has to say about heaven. Let's begin in Luke chapter 23. And let's talk about Jesus on the cross and the two thieves on the cross with him. Luke 23, verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. They know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by, watching the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offered him sour wine, which would be vinegar by this point, as wine turns into vinegar when that process doesn't stop and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, and that is blasphemed. That's what railed means. He blasphemed him. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, the highest aspiration that the thief could think about was his kingdom. Remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus responded with, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus tells us here that heaven is paradise. Now, on this cross, there's lots of conflict going on in there. There's conflict between good and evil. There's conflict between rulers and powers in Jesus on the cross. Jesus is very meek on the cross, and meek means that you have all the power in the world, you choose not to use it. And there he was on the cross with all the power in the world, but choosing not to use it. Meek, powerful. And you've got these conflicts taking place on the cross. And here you see a, a great contrast between conflict and paradise. And so heaven, Jesus is telling us here, I think, because of the conflict between the pain and, and the lack of peace in all the people, all the accusations that are being made when the greatest gift of sacrifice that's ever been made is taking place right before the very eyes, and all these people have conflict. Even the great centurion man, the great comment that he makes, he says, surely this was the Son of God after he witnesses Jesus die on the cross with the grace and the mercy and the love that comes off. And Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. And you have this collision here taking place on the cross. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So Jesus is telling us, I believe, and a good application we can make for this is, paradise, heaven is a place 
where there's no more conflict. Heaven is a place where there's no more conflict. Man, that's wonderful. That's just one of the pieces of heaven. That's just one of the many, many things that we can learn about heaven from the Scripture. But heaven is paradise. It's a place of no more conflict. Just consider all the conflict that we have here in this world. The conflict between illness and health. The body is decaying. Matthew 6, Jesus says that lay your treasures in heaven where moth and thief and rust do not kill, steal, and destroy. And so there's a lot of conflict that takes place. There's a lot of conflict in the world today. We're always looking towards the next great conflict that happened. There's always going to be conflicts. There's always wars and rumors of wars. People can't get along. You've got our national conflicts that are taking place now. You've got the conflicts between the Republicans and Democrats. That's a, that's, that's a conflict that's divided right down the middle, and it's divided our country. Conflict every single day. How to do things. What to say. What is right. What is noble. What is decent. What is not decent. How do you fix problems in the world? How do you help people? Two polar opposite ideas about how to do it. And now you have conflict between gun owners and non-gun owners. And, and we're about to have a real conflict about how many hamburgers you eat a month. You have conflict between people who said you shouldn't eat animal and you should eat animal. People believe that we Texans, because we love beef and we have ranches and we have cows and we've got feed yards and all those kind of things, that we're destroying the world. And you've got this conflict. You've got people saying, what do you mean? Genesis clearly tells us that we subdue the animals and they're here for our benefit. And you've got the other side, oh, no, 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 you're hating people. You're hating the world because you, you want more than one hamburger a month. Man, can you imagine the conflict when they come to get your gun and give you a card that measures how many hamburgers you've had during the month? I mean, it, it, this, the conflict is... Now, you can tell what side of the issue I'm on about how many hamburgers you can have a month. <laughs> you, you're going to come tell me how many hamburgers? They, they say because the methane gas is polluting the world. I mean, you, so you're going to do away with all the cows? So where are you going to get leather? Where are you going to get baseball gloves? Where are you going to get working gloves? Where are you going to get leather products? What are you going to do with that leather? You know, I guarantee you, many of the people that are against cows, they've got leather seats in their Lexus. They're going to go to vinyl. You ever gotten to a vinyl car in the summer? Good luck with that. Bring that B&W over here with that vinyl seat and come get my gun and see how many hamburgers I've eaten this month. <laughs> I mean, it's conflict. All around us is conflict. And, and heaven is a place of no more conflict. There's also on the cross here a conflict between faith and doubt, between assurance and question. One criminal on the deal says, if you're really the Christ, come on down from that cross. Save me and you. Why don't you if you're the Christ, why don't you take care of this? Here we are. And the other criminal says, man, don't you, who, who, who are you kidding here? We deserve what we we're getting. We justly deserve this condemnation. But, but this man's done nothing wrong. The conflict in between the two criminals is here. 
One criminal's had enough. He's given in, and he's saying, man, I want to be with that guy. I've been partners with this criminal, and I don't want to be partners with this criminal anymore. I want to be partners with this one that's forgiving people from the agony of the cross. And there's great conflict taking place here. I've told you this story two or three times. It really had an impact on me. I took my dad out to Alabama to see the family for the last time, he said, and, and he was right about that. And we went to the Brewer Cemetery at Marvin Chapel Assembly of God in Coffee Springs County, Alabama. And we're standing there, and we're in the, in the cemetery. I'm looking at my grandparents. My aunts are there, and all those kind of things. And many brewers are in there. And, and surrounding that little country church is nothing but cotton fields. It's in October. The cotton is five and six foot tall, white. Just all you can see that the fields were white for harvest. It was the green and the white all around us and just just life everywhere around us. And you, so for me, there was great conflict. And I stood there for a little bit. I'd, I'd look at my grandpa's grave and look at the cotton. and look at my grandmother's grave. We call him Big Daddy and her Big Mama. And we'd look out there and say, look, Big Mama's grave's right there. L- look at the cotton all around us. What a conflict here. We have death and life. Death and life. And on this cross, you have a conflict between one criminal and the other criminal. One is just, say, just sarcastic. He's blaspheming Jesus, the life giver. And the other one is receiving the life gift. And you've got that, that conflict between rejection of him and acceptance of him. And I stood out there and had just a spiritual moment. I asked my dad, I said, Dad, isn't this amazing? Here we are in a cemetery and, and we're looking at well-kept graves. You know, it's a very, very nicely kept country little uh, uh, cemetery but but look at the fields all around us there's life and and man if you think about the cotton the cotton ball the cotton stock the cotton plant everything that you can you can use that cotton for I mean Levi's doesn't get better than that there's nothing better than a pair of jeans is there especially a pair of jeans that you've worn you know 100, 120, 360 days a year without washing them, give that a shot. That is a beautiful, beautiful set of clothing right there. It's a miracle. Because every day that you wear it, it gets better and better and better. Cotton, it goes in medicines. It goes in oils. It goes in shampoos. It it goes in all kinds of... uh, 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 Just all kinds of technology things. They use parts of the cotton... To make it happen. It's a miracle plant. We're always finding reasons for cotton. And according to my pillow, the best is found in the Nile River. That's what he says, isn't it? I don't doubt that. I've never seen it, but I'll go with it. I do have a my pillow, and it is amazing, by the way. Just so you know. So maybe he knows what he's talking about. And there's a conflict between death and life here in this graveyard on the cross. Conflict. Conflict. Just think about not just the national conflict and not just the, 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 national, the world conflict, the national conflict, and the spiritual conflict that's taking place here between life and death. But, but just think that in heaven, all community conflict is over. There's no more. Just amazing that. Just think about the conflict between city people and country people is over. 
Man, there's a lot of conflict between city people and country people. You may not see it. The, the conflict between country people and city people out here really used to be something compared to now. I mean, it was quite interesting. I, I remember not too long ago, I read a story, and, and you could see the conflict clearly between city people and country people. Here it was. Country people let their dogs roam. City people, they jail their dogs in a yard. And this conflict was going. The, the country person was saying, all you city people moving out here, quit griping about my dog roaming around because it is my dog's right. We, we live out here in the country, and we've always let our dogs roam in the country. And the city people is, you don't love your dog. And the country people says, no, I love my dog more because I let my dog go where he chooses to. You don't let your dog go where you choose to. You make your dog stay in, in a fence. And, and it's just people just piling on, piling on. And I, when I read that article, I just laughed. I said, boy, even about who loves their dogs the most, there's conflict. And there's, there's problems out there in the city where, where country people are and city people join in. And, and it's amazing the amount of conflict. No conflict in heaven. Just think about community conflict that will be erased. Whether you're going to have a sonic or not. Oh my, if you weren't here for that one, that was a doozy. How about Taco Bell? Woo! Now that was a heated contest. Whether or not you're going to have Taco Bell. Now the argument shouldn't have been whether or not you have Taco Bell. The argument should have been whether or not you should eat Taco Bell. How about the historical district here in Lido? You probably don't remember that. And that was a doozy. To build this sanctuary was a doozy. There was a business meeting or a, comp, a city hall meeting down there that lasted until 3 o'clock in the morning. Started at 7. I was in there going, we're arguing about this, whether or not we can keep on building this thing. After six hours, no decision was able to be made. And it, we, we illegally kept on building this building because of the conflict, because we had a permit that was signed and okayed, and they were trying to take it away from us. And I was amazed at the conflict over this thing. I was amazed at the conflict that we've experienced inside the church house, that old chapel over there. Let me tell you something. Back in 1995, there was conflict beyond conflict over that old building. You'd had to see it then. It was condemned. You couldn't go in it. There was holes in the wall and holes in the floor, and it was leaning one side. It was about to implode. It was a conflict. We're always going to have conflict because we're people right? But in heaven, there's no conflict. Now, the only reason I've gone through all that is to say this. Every time you experience conflict, every time you hear of conflict, every time you have people arguing about who loves their dogs more, city people or country people, think about this. That should remind you that in heaven, there is zero conflict. You don't have conflict between illness and health. You're healthy. You don't have conflict between different opinions. It doesn't matter. God is control. He, what He says is it goes. And everyone in heaven is okay with it. 
You see, in heaven, we're so focused on who God is and what He's done and what Jesus has done that all these things that used to plague us and, and, and cause pain in our lives, it's gone when we're in heaven. Jesus looks at this thief and He says, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, to show us that there is lots of conflict, let me just share with you that verse 43 is of conflict itself. It amazes me. People read verse 43 and have they argue about it. What does it mean? Jesus hasn't died on the cross yet. He hadn't quite did it. He hasn't resurrected. So it can't mean that today you'll be in paradise. But, but do you see, guy? Do you see, ma'am? That Jesus Himself said, today you will be with Me in paradise. But we argue about that even. And, and, and the denominations split over things just like this. You've got to be kidding me. He told this no good thief. This thief who's, who's under conviction on the cross, who's having a deathbed, literally a deathbed conversion. And Jesus looks at that guy who doesn't deserve to be saved, who doesn't deserve to be converted, who, doesn't, who has not been a good person at all. He's, been, he's labeled as a thief, as a criminal. But he's seeing Jesus. He's seeing what's going on. He's hearing the love. And, and there's, there's something going on in him. And he says, man, when you go in your kingdom, would you just remember me? I mean, he, that's, that's about probably, what do I ask this guy? What do I do? I can't, I, I mean, I don't deserve to be set free. I don't deserve to be taken off his cross. I don't deserve not to be punished for my crimes. Will you just remember me? And Jesus says, fella, Here's the deal. Father, he says very clearly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You will be in a place where there's zero conflict, but on this side of eternity, on this side of heaven, we're going to argue about whether or not Jesus really meant that or not. We're going to argue about today, whether or not it's a possibility. And, and for me personally, I go, you're missing the whole point. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, is it today a dimension of time? Who cares? You're in paradise. You're out of the conflict. That's the promise that God is making. That's the promise that Jesus is making this fella. Conflict is over. No more conflict. Does that make you long for heaven? Every time you hear about conflict, think about heaven. Every time you hear about conflict, realize that we're only here for a short time. We're going to the place of paradise. Now, think about paradise, the word paradise. What it means, it means a place of perfection, doesn't it? It means a place of beauty, sure it does. It means a, it's got to have a nice, cool breeze in it, doesn't it? There's nothing better than a nice, cool breeze. There's nothing better than the shade of a tree in, in, if, if it's kind of warm outside. All those are paradises. I mean, Hawaii's a paradise here. If you've ever seen it, if you ever get to, it's, it's quite spectacular. I mean, you're, you're right now, think about places that you've been to. You go, I believe this might be paradise. A West Texas sunset gets pretty close. Big Bend, down that part of the world, sure, that's paradise in places. Man, it's really, really cool. Devil's River down South Texas, that's pretty. Frio River's beautiful. 
that Garner State Park in that area, that's really cool. Lakey, Texas, that drive between Lakey and Lost Maple State Park, let me tell you, it's paradise. It's really nice. It's unusual. It's just, it's beautiful. Texas has so many paradises all around. We even have Paradise, Texas, what, within 50 miles of here. So they had optimism over there when they named that town. But you take the place you believe is the place of the greatest paradise you've ever seen, the best paradise you've ever seen. You've got to multiply that by zillions to be able to equate it with the paradise of heaven. Heaven is paradise. That's what Jesus said. The second thing I want to talk to you about today is what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 6 about heaven. No conflict and now we see in Matthew chapter 6, no decay. No decay. Which may be paradise in itself. Jesus says in verse 19, Matthew 6 verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Moth eats the clothes, doesn't it? Rust eats the metal stuff where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. So Jesus uses three decays that they would understand. Moth, rust, and thieves. He says in verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So you've got moth, rust, and thieves on the earth. In heaven, no moth to destroy, no rust to destroy, no thieves to take your stuff. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means that for us, here there's decay. Here things fall apart. Here things wear out. Rust destroys things. It gets old. It wears out. Right? In heaven... Things are not stolen, things do not get old and wear out, and things do not decay. Now think about the application for that. No body aches is one. No body aches. Man, I've had a body ache for about three weeks. Let me tell you, I'm not going to tell you what happened to part of my extremity, but boy, it hurt. I had a muscle that, that tore or something or bruised or whatever it was. I, can't, I couldn't sit down, I couldn't lay down, I couldn't stand up, I couldn't walk. And if you walk for a little while, it started to hurt. You sit down, and you sit down, it starts to hurt. You go to bed at night, you lay there. And, and seriously, I would get myself just in the right position where I go, oh, here I go, I can sleep right here. And then I have to go to the bathroom or come back and start all over again <laughs> trying to find that right spot. That's not uncouth to say in church. We all do that, right? Or if you will one day. No body aches, no illness, no more illness. Man, that, that's a big deal there. No decay means no more illness. There's not been a time that I can think of that as a church family that we are not always engaged in, in illness. And here lately we've had so much cancer. In heaven, no cancer. No hospitals, no nursing homes, 
No more funerals in heaven. If the moth is not there to destroy, and the rust doesn't destroy things, and the thief doesn't break in, if there's no decay, and that's what Jesus is saying here, people in heaven, there's no decay. The treasures that you store up in heaven will be there forever. There's no more funerals. That's a good thing. That's, a, that's something to rejoice over. That's something when you go through the trials and the tribulations of this world, you get your focus up into heaven. One day, this isn't going to take place anymore. One day, I'm going to be free of this mess. There's no fast lanes in heaven. Think about the fast lane that we live in today. You know, life in the fast lane. Driving too fast, doing things too on the edge, going where you shouldn't go, trying to pay the mortgage, trying to pay the bills, trying to keep the business going, trying to make these folks, these clients happy, trying to make all the things in your life work out. And you find yourself working for the morning early to the dark late and just pressure and stress and anxiety and migraine headaches and all these issues that just pent up great frustration and, and just... Just all kinds of, of, of problems for your lives. In heaven, none of that. There's no decay. You don't have to hold on to your stuff from thieves. You don't have to fight that struggle of how hard do you hold on to stuff to hold on to it. You don't have to fight the battles to make a living, to fight the battle to keep the business going, to fight the battle to, to, to keep your market share where it ought to be in your mind. In heaven, all that is gone. It's all gone. The struggle, you know, one of the, one of the consequences of the fall of man was that we were going to be forever struggling to make a living. And there is great struggle to make a living these days. A lot of pressure. There's pressure on the kids. There's pressure on the wives. There's pressure on the husbands. There's pressure on the families. There's pressure on relationships to make a living. And the margins, they say, are slim, right? And it's a tough world out there. In heaven, that's all gone. That's rejoicable right there. No more hospitals. No more funeral homes. No more nursing homes. No more masks. No more conflict over masks. Right? Wear a mask if you feel led to. Don't wear a mask if you feel led to. There's conflict over that. There's been fights and there's been shouts and, and arguments and Walmarts and HEBs all across our country because someone wears a mask and someone chooses not to. And you can't go to the same grocery store without conflict. Remember I told you a long time ago, a year ago, when this thing happened, that one of the, the number one issues that the church has got to face, whether or not it's mask or anti-mask. And boy... Have we not gone through that? I mean, to me, it was just so crystal clear. Not a prophecy, just obvious. Human nature says, this is going to be a problem when you force people to do something. So heaven is a place where you're no longer forced to comply. And that's pretty cool. That's what heaven's going to be like. No more decay. Jesus was giving the disciples lessons that he was going to live them, leave them. And 
Jesus was trying to explain that it was going to be better for him, that, that all was going to be well. And finally, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. And one of my favorite lines in the Bible from Jesus is, If that weren't so, I'd have told you. I think what he actually said, If that ain't the way it is, I'd tell you the truth, I ain't lying to you. Because that's exactly what Jesus is saying there. I ain't lying to you. I'd shoot straight with you. I'd square with you. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that weren't so, I wouldn't kid you. I wouldn't steer you wrong. And I will go and prepare a place for you. And when that place is prepared, when all things are ready, Jesus said, when all things are ready, I will come back and take you to be where I am. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also me. Don't let your heart be troubled here in the conflict, in the decay, in the problems, in the crisis, in the tribulations. Don't let your hearts be troubled. There is a place called heaven. It's paradise. It's peace. It's celebration. It's victory. It's no more tears. It's no more crying. It's no more heartache. No more death. The streets don't ever have potholes. There's gold in them streets. You remember that joke next time, won't you? There's gold in them there streets. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust on me. In my Father's house are many rooms. That means there's lots of room in heaven. Lots of room in heaven. Many, many rooms. There's a place for you. If you haven't believed in Jesus yet, there's a place for you. That's what Jesus said. That's what he had to say about heaven. There is a place for you. And not as a place where you believe in him, he's going to start preparing you a place. He's going to get you all fixed up. And when all things are ready, every believer has his promise that he is going to come and take us to be where he is. And we will be with him in his presence for all of eternity. In heaven for all of eternity. You have a choice to make. You got your ticket for paradise. You got two tickets for paradise. I think there's a song or something. It just popped my mind. You got your ticket for paradise. Are you ready to go? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Believe that Jesus rose from the grave and you'll be saved. Believe that He has paid the price that you couldn't pay. Believe that He is calling you. Believe that He loves you. Believe that your sin separates you from Him, but He has done everything. Just all those things wrapped into one simple action. Believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved. And get your ticket for paradise. Bow with me if you would. I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you do not have your ticket to paradise, you have listened to the words here. You've listened. The Holy Spirit is piercing your heart. We want to give you an opportunity to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just right here and right now, before our song starts playing and we start uh, singing the, the last song we're going to do to worship today, just open up your heart to the Lord Jesus and pray this to Him. I'm going to do my best to introduce you to my Jesus. Dear Lord, I know that I need you. 
I want to have a ticket to heaven. I believe that you're the only way to go to heaven. Please come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all I've done. Lord, I just need to be one of your children. I need to be in your family. I want to receive eternal life. I want to know for sure that I'm going to heaven. Thank you, Lord, for coming into my life today. In Christ's name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, here's the deal. You became a child of God. You've been born again. The next step is to be baptized. The next step is to grow in Christ, become his follower and disciple, grow in him, become more like him, and, and get to the place in your life that you are able to live beyond conflict, problems, trials, decay, because you have the eternal home waiting for you. And you can live here on this side of eternity with the right perspective of the victory that we have in Christ. So follow through with the decision that you've made.